If you're not already standing and you're able to stand, you do so now for the reading of the word. Thank you for being in his house on this night. Following the word, there'll be a water baptismal service. I will not be dunking anybody. Jesus had his own baptizers, and while I'm not Jesus, <laughs> I know Jesus. <so. laughs> but those of you that are here for that, it will be grand, as this service already is. Uh, Pastor Ben, you have already stolen one of my prayers in that you've asked the Lord to make you like Micah. I'll just ask the Lord to make me like you, tall, hair in your head, tall, dark, and handsome. Not dark. I'm dark. You're not dark. What a joy to be together tonight. I have asked the Holy Spirit to tailor make a blessing for you. There's, there's just no one, but there's one you. There's, there's one you. And if God could make one you, he could bless you. He could bless you. I acknowledge the absence of our pastor who is in Maryland, the Germantown campus, speaking there tonight. And uh, we pray for him. So glad that he's that far away. I've been wanting to say some things about him in his absence. So if you're doing any streaming, you can cut that off. I just really appreciate this team. All of the pastoral staff and church staff really makes my heart glad because when, uh, yeah, go ahead and do that. It, and I say it does make my heart glad because when Valerie and I made the transition soon to be two years ago, I did not want a transition to bring in leaders that will undo what the Lord helped us to do for 33 years. So, I have no way of keeping up with these younger guys, and I really don't want to, but we're in it together. So, on the screen would be the scripture, gentlemen, if you will, and it's found in Genesis 41, verses 41 through 43. If you look at the screen, I'll read it, and you just follow me. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in the fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. That's where I want to end up. I want you to see where I want to end up from our time together. And I want to make that journey with you as we follow in these moments. I saw the, if you will, the title again. These words, nothing just happens. I saw that a few weeks ago and I heard a minister use that title and uh, the content of the message was powerful for him. But when I started praying about where I could use this, the Lord led me at a different place and just told me to keep the title. 
So I hope it's a good title because I hardly know where I'm going after that. <laughs> Stretch your hand this way. Pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. Would you give a, a prayer of uh, conviction as we bind the devil now? Father, I thank you tonight for these moments and for the worship and the praise and the music. I thank you for every worshiper. I thank you for every first-time guest. I thank you for the candidates of baptism. God, we're not just here tonight to occupy a few minutes and play church and say we had church. We really need for you to come down. We need you, God, to do some things in our lives that we could never do in our lives. We need you, God, to put us on the potter's wheel. And we need you, oh God, to, to spin us around in a way that as you add moisture to the clay, you form it and make it into a vessel of honor. Lord, some people need you for one thing and some for another. But I pray, God, before we leave this place tonight, we could say it was good to have been in the house of the Lord. Thank you for that, Lord, and that revelation. And everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. So I want to give the first of what will be four thoughts, and I want to put it right before us immediately. Nothing just happens. Number one, because God is sovereign, he is in control, and he has supreme authority. And because God is all that, nothing just happens. On occasion when certain events take place in our lives or people we know, there's usually this word or phrase that accompanies what happens. Something like, boy, that was a lucky break. Something like, uh, that was a chance result. Something happens that cannot be explained and somebody else will say, well, that was just a coincidence. Just a big break. Just a happenstance. When it comes to God dealing in your life and my life, we being the children of God, nothing just happens. Nothing that happens in our lives takes God by surprise. And so I want to add to that by giving you a few instances that perhaps you've seen or heard of as we establish this thought of God being sovereign. You've heard of, or perhaps you yourself have experienced a narrow escape from a car accident. And you're wondering, what was that, this narrow escape? Well, it wasn't just a narrow escape. It was God because nothing just happens. Have you ever heard an incident of you've seen on TV? Maybe you've been in, involved with this. Where you come upon a shooting or a burglary and you narrow escape with your life. And you wonder, wow. No, what should be said is that's God because nothing just happens. How about those, and, and I know those, and I've been along the bedside of those who've been diagnosed with cancer, maybe terminal cancer, maybe stage four cancer, and they ask for prayer and for people to come to their house and anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith. Having been diagnosed, they go in a couple weeks to be checked up again. When they go and, and then they are checked up, the doctor says, well, there's something amazing here. Because I, I don't see any cancer anywhere in your body. You are 100% cancer free. That is God because nothing just happens with God. 
And then maybe you know of this. I know of this in my ministry. A son or a daughter, they leave home. They've been gone for months, even years. They don't call. They don't make any contact. Then supposedly out of nowhere, when you least expected, they ask you to come home. And you thought they were the prodigal son or daughter, and they were for a while. But all of a sudden, you close down your cell phone or hang up your phone, and you think, my God, how did that happen? It happened because nothing just happens with God. He can bring in the loss. He can bring in the wounded. He can bring in the damage. He can even raise up the deceased because nothing just happens. Give me a little more monitor up here, would you? Then what about those who've been involved with alcohol or drugs? They have left home. They have met the wrong company. They have become addicted. And this addiction has cost them a lifestyle of lying and cheating and all manner of behavior that's unbecoming to anybody. Some of these same people, they go to a number of rehab programs and they never stay and they never recover. But then one day, one day all of a sudden they get a thought in their mind. Maybe I ought to turn on the TV and see what's happening there. Or maybe I ought to go to the church and see if they still have prayer meeting on a Monday night. And when they get there, something gets a hold of their spirit and they fall on their knees and they cry out to God and they say, God, I'm miserable. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of fighting. And when they get up, they're washed and clean by the word of God because with God, nothing just happens. Hallelujah. What you think is a chance or a happenstance is because somebody on the other side of the country is praying for you and you don't even have a clue. Somebody say praise the Lord. What you think's healed that cancer is somebody in another state at three or four on the telephone and they call your name and God sends an angel down from heaven and personally deliver your healing. Somebody give the Lord a little praise in this house. Nothing just happens because God is sovereign. What do you mean by God is sovereign? I mean that the Bible says God is omnipotent. He knows everything. Of course, that's omniscient, but God is all powerful. Omnipotent. God is omniscient. You think you got that hidden. No, he knows it. And the Bible says, oh boy, I'm going to stay right here. I'm too young to get in trouble. Your mama don't know it. Your daddy don't know it. Your principal at your school don't know it. Your coach don't know it. Even the police don't know it. (laughs) And the Lord says, I'm going to give you some time to repent of it in private. I'm going to give you, this ain't good, but you find that person and you repent of it or you go to the altar and repent of it or, or you, you find somebody with a bottle of anointing oil and let them pray for you and you, because if you don't repent of it privately, I'm going to set you on the house top and make all your business known because God knows everything and he cares enough about us 
to call us to repentance. I need to move quickly. Uh, God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent everywhere he is. Oh, help me. This may be too simplistic, but you and I can't run from God. He is in the depth of the ocean. He is in the galaxy of the skies. He is in the deepest valley. God is everywhere. And what's so beautiful is he knows where we are. Let me tell you about God and I'll move on. He knows when, he knows who, he knows why, and he knows how. I'm preaching the house down. Now let let, let me move you to another thought real quick. This man, Joseph, has had to live a life that caused him through fear and pain and unanswered prayers and opposition has caused him to learn how nothing just happens in our lives. Let me just give you a a kind of a brief synopsis of this Joseph, and then I'll move you to a few other points very quickly. At age 17, Joseph, who is the 12th of brothers, begins having dreams. Now, he doesn't understand these dreams, this interpretation, but there's something in him that tells him that these dreams must be from God. Well, when he shares his dreams with his brothers, the other 11, the dreams suggest to them that one day they're going to have to come and bow down to Joseph, who is their youngest of the brothers. Along with these dreams that Joseph seemed to impose on his brothers, that they're going to have to come and serve him, is this beautiful coat of many colors that his father has designed and made for him because Joseph, being the youngest of the brothers, is the favorite son of his father. Well, Joseph comes out to meet the 11 of his brothers or those who are out there in the pasture and to uh, inquire of their well-being. And when they see him coming, they're so mad at him, they decide that they're going to sell him. And so that's what they did. He was uh, placed in a caravan on the way to Egypt and therefore he left his father, he left his brothers, he left his geographical area, he left his God and everything he knew and he ended up a slave in Potiphar's household. Potiphar is an Egyptian. He is the captain of the guard of the king or the pharaoh of Egypt. Joseph stays with Potiphar. He don't even know the language. He don't even know the culture. He don't even know the people. But even though he's away from his geographical area, he's not away from his God. So he serves Potiphar so excellently until Potiphar leaves everything he has in his household under Joseph's care. Joseph does such an excellent job until his his whole uh, life changes. Instead of becoming a slave in drudgery, he becomes a more reputable young man. Potiphar's wife takes a liking to Joseph because he's very comely to behold and she tries several times to seduce him of which on every occasion he resists her. 
That makes her angry because she's used to having a own way with whomever she desires and she's not going to be refused by a Hebrew slave. So she falsely accuses him and he's sent to jail. The Bible says he's in jail for a while and while there, Pharaoh becomes upset with two of his servants, one being the butler and the other being the baker. Pharaoh is upset with them. He has them thrown in jail, the same jail that Joseph is in. They had a dream, each of them, singularly on the same night. They didn't know what the dream meant. They didn't know anybody who could interpret it. But even while in jail, there you find a man of God by the name of Joseph. Because nothing just happens. I don't care where your prison is. I do care. I don't know what jail you feel in mentally. I don't know what jail you feel in about your job. I don't know what jail you are in in your family. But I know if you're faithful to God, he will unlock the key. And he will set you free. Because nothing just happens with God. Hallelujah. So, so I, I show you that the dreams were interpreted by Joseph. The butler was sent back to serve Pharaoh, just like Joseph interpreted. And the baker lost his life, just like Joseph interpreted. What happens is that prior to leaving the prison, the butler to go back and serve Pharaoh, Joseph said to the butler, when you have an encounter with the Pharaoh, would you tell him for me who I am and tell him why I'm here and I'm an innocent man and would you go about trying to secure my release? And the butler said, I'll do it. Two years went by before he remembered him. I say with friends like that, you don't need no enemies. Glad to have people like that on your side. After two years, the butler says, I remember my fault. He remembers it because Pharaoh has his own dream. There's nobody in Pharaoh's house, nor his administration, that know how to interpret that kind of dream. Some things only come from God. And so eventually what happens is, and I'm trying to tie it together here, is Pharaoh has his dream interpreted by Joseph. And Pharaoh realizes that everything Joseph said about his dream is accurate. It has to do with seven years in Egypt where there's going to be an abundance of food. Uh, uh, such an abundance of food, it will be difficult to contain it with all the existing barns and storehouses, etc., they're going to have to build multiple barns and storehouses all across Egypt and put grain and other vegetation there so that the people will have plenty because after seven years of plenty, there's going to be seven years of famine. And the man who gets to handle all that, to oversee the seven years of Plenty and building the storehouses and the barns, making sure there's enough food for seven years of drought is Joseph. Now, 
having, having said that, let me give you the next thought that I have here. Major point, number two, God has your best interest at heart. Not everybody has your best interest in mind, but God does. As you know this story, as I just enumerated, Joseph's brothers could care less about him. Joseph's brothers were so envious of him, and especially the fact that they felt they were uh, being spoken down to by Joseph suggesting that they're going to worship him or have to bow in obeisance to him. When they, when they saw him coming down the trail, he innocently coming to check on his brothers, threw him in a pit and sold him. And their interest in Joseph went like this. If we never see you again, it'll be too soon. No interest in, in their brother. Let me, let me show you another thought here. The conniving, seductive, lustful wife of Potiphar absolutely cared nothing about Joseph's well-being. She was rich. She was spoiled. She was a Jezebel. Y'all know what that is? You look at TV, don't you? Potiphar, we don't have Potiphar's wife's name but I would like to call her a few things. She was, she was used to having her way with whomever she desired because she was the wife of the captain of the guard. The only thing that she was interested in Joseph about was a sexual liaison where she would have her pleasure fulfilled and she would then Use him and lose him. She wasn't interested in him at all. And so I would like to suggest that not everybody who say they have your back, have your back. They may intend to stab you in your back. Not everybody who is interested in you is interested in you. They should have been more amens than that. I went to seven years of college to think that up. You know, there's some folks who are so jealous of you, they just want to get close to you so they can either ruin you or otherwise hurt you. Not everybody who say they have your interests have your interests. I will tell you, if you're wondering how I know that, because I know American politics. And some of the people, the, the, the people in our land who are in the most prominent position in our land, who should be setting the pace for good character and moral values, they are the very same people who are finding new and creative ways to stab each other in the back. You and I need to get around the business of fine folks who will pray for us. They're interested in you. We need to find business of, uh, of finding folk who will give us wise counsel from the word of God. They're interested in you. We need to find folks who don't always tell us what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. They are interested in you. The Lord Jesus didn't send his word to tickle our ears. He sent his word 
to change us. Let, let, let me say this to you. You know, the baker and the butler, they, didn't, they didn't really care about Joseph's well-being. No sooner than they got their interpretation of the dream, the butler was told that in three days he would go back to the Pharaoh and, and serve him the cup. The baker was told that in three days he's going to die. And what happens is, is as I mentioned earlier, the, the butler who had the capacity to look out for Joseph's interests was not interested. And I, I suggest to you that there are, there are not very challenging ways that you have to explore to find out if people are interested in you or care about your well-being or care about your family. Uh, some years ago, this has been many years ago, I was called on late evening to a hospital here in Noonan that no longer exists as far as the campus. I was called to the hospital and I was informed that one of our teenage girls were there. And she had been at a pool party where there was no supervision by way of adults. And she got so drunk until in her drunken stupor, she fell in the pool. She got all the way to the bottom of the pool. That's where someone noticed her. And they retrieved her out of the bottom of the pool, placed her in a car, and speedily rushed to that particular hospital and left her at the entrance of the emergency entrance. Didn't come in and tell any doctors anything. Didn't say anything to the nurse. Didn't say anything about where they were or what she encountered. They just dropped her at the door, got in their car, and took off. She made it through it, and when I saw her, I thought, God help you. Because they, they had to pump and get the water from in her out. And I thought to myself, if that's the kind of friends you're hanging out with, you need surgery. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it shouldn't take you one time to figure out who's for you and who's against you. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you don't have to do some stuff to know you ought not to do it. You don't have to go to some places to know you ought not to go. You don't have to speak in a certain way to know that's not the language for you. If you let God lead your life, then I tell you that he will guide you because with God, nothing just happens. Hey, uh, You know how I know God is interested in us? Let me, let me put a couple of verses on the screen. God is interested in us. Let me, let me show you what I mean. He proved it in Romans 5, 6 through 8. If you'll skip that one and take me to the, the scripture, I, I did that uh, in moving on kind of spirit. What they don't know won't hurt them. <laughs> Verse 6, Romans 5. When we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Is he interested in us? Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. 
But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Go ahead and give the Lord praise. You and I know that God is interested in us because he died for us when we had nothing to give him. He died for us when we didn't even know we needed salvation. When we weren't even born, God is interested in us. Here's another thought, please. Put it on the screen for me. The scripture would be 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen. He, Jesus, who knew no sin, spotless, became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He's interested in us. Let me give you another scripture. Isaiah 53, four through six. You with me? Say amen. amen. Yet, it was our weaknesses he carried. Our weaknesses. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. We thought that God was putting his son through all of that because his son sinned. And no, he was carrying our sins. And further, he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us are like sheep. We've gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. I would say to you that the cross of Jesus Christ tells me that he's interested in me. I would say to you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead tells me that he's interested in me. I would tell you that soon the second coming of Jesus Christ where he is going to prepare a place for me tells me he's interested in me. I'd like to tell you that the Bible, the word of God tells me that God is interested in me. I'd like to tell you that when I'm sick and I pray the prayer of faith and God heals my body or my children and that tells me God is interested in me. I'd like to tell you when I'm full of the baptism of the Holy Ghost and God gives me wisdom beyond my years, God is interested in me. God doesn't have to do anything else to show me he loves me than what he's already done. Hallelujah. Hey, uh, I know I'm, uh, this is your maiden voyage, some of you with me, and I'll tell you how my preaching is. My preaching is I begin by telling it, then I finish by yelling it. <laughs> and I'm in the yelling phase now. Uh, let, let me show you something else. God's timing is precise, spot on, without error. Amen? So in every age bracket of Joseph's life, from 17 years old to 30 years old. He came from slavery at 17 to the palace of the Pharaoh as the second man at age 30. At age 37, the seven years of plenty had ended. Now there's going to be famine. At age 39, his family comes a-knocking for some food. Help me, Jesus. God's timing is a best timing. 
And here comes his brothers asking for food. Joseph doesn't tell his identity to his brothers. But they come asking for food and they bow down at him and they call him Lord or maybe in today's government they would call him prime minister. That happens about twice and the second time Joseph tells them who he is and fear paralyzes them. They're like a dead man. See, they were talking in Hebrew and uh, Joseph was talking in Egypt. I don't know what Egypt is. Joseph is hearing all the stuff about, and they said, this happened to us. Our brother got thrown in jail and had to stay here, Simeon, because Joseph told him that he's going to stay in jail till we go back and get our father and our other brother. And and they're hearing all that stuff about, uh, Joseph's hearing all that stuff his brother's talking about. When they find out, their teeth start chattering. Their bald head starts sweating. Their knees start knocking. And they're fixing to be dead men. But Joseph said, because God has his right timing. What you guys meant for evil. You meant to kill. You thought I was dead. But I was gone preparing food for you. Preparing a house for you. Preparing your life when the famine is over. Until it is. So I'm going to give God the praise. Because while you try to kill me, God kept me alive. Oh, my, my, my. Hey, let let me show you something else. Here's here's a final thought. (laughs) I used to have fun with this a lot of times. Uh, and I'm going to right now. When the preacher tells you that this is the final thought, <laughs> my, my sight is not as good as it used to be. I can't tell what time it is. <laughs> and this, I got this for my birthday, and <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> and you got to watch out for Pentecostal preachers. When they tell you I'm about to close, they got five closings. This will be my first. (laughs) Not everybody is going or can go where God is taking you. Yeah. Not everybody is going or can go. You got to watch who you're traveling with. That means what you look at on TV. That means what you talk about at work. That means who you hang out with school. Not everybody can go where God is taking you. Come, Micah, if you will, to the music, sir. Joseph's brothers were not going where he was going. I know it because they mocked him, they laughed at him, they scorned him. And thank God, God still saved them. Look at this. You remember when Satan appeared in the Garden of Eden and he tempted Eve? And God had said, only of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil are you forbidden to eat. Satan shows up 
And he wants to take them another way. Well, God, he said to, the, to, the, to Eve, God doesn't want you to be as smart as him and as wise as him and know everything. And that's why he's forbidden that. But, but if you'll go my way, then I'll, I'll take you into a wiser, more prosperous life. How about in the, in, in the wilderness when Jesus was tempted of Satan three times? Still with me? Three times the enemy approached the Son of God and say, let's go this way. Turn the stones into bread. Let's go that way. Climb up the pinnacle and throw yourself down. And the angels will take care of you. Let's go that way. And the third time he took him to a high place and he showed him the kingdoms of the world, so to speak. And he says to Jesus, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. But thank God for the example of Jesus who says, I rebuke thee, devil. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I'm saying to you, and there, there are all kinds of voices that would lead us in directions that it is not God's plan. And so we have to discern by the Holy Ghost which way is the right way? Which way is God's way? How do I get there? And you do it by the word of God. You do it by intercessory prayer. You do it through the revelation of the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you something. The things that happen in your life, it, it, it doesn't just happen. And, and here's how you, you learn that, what you do. And, and I need to close. In order for things to happen in your life like you did for Joseph, you've got to prepare yourself. Say amen. You've got to prepare yourself as a vessel fit unto service. Let me show you something. In order for, for things to happen in your life like Joseph, you have to be available. Amen. In other words, you have to be, Lord, I'm ready. Speak to me, Lord. Whatever you want in my life, available. And then you have to sacrifice. Sacrifice means that I can't march at the same drumbeat of the world. Sacrifice means that I, I, I can't allow my flesh and my mind to govern me. I must, I must be surrendered to the word of God. Now, I'm going to close with a prayer and I'm going to tell you, this is probably so inconsistent with what I preached or tried to preach. Uh, I am in my spirit Desiring to pray for people here tonight who are suffering emotionally. I mean, you, your health looks good. You don't have any scars in your body that you had any surgery. You are, people look at you and they think you're okay, but you're living in hell. I just thought I'd just put it out there because that's what it is. And those of you that don't know that, woe unto you if you prematurely criticize people. And I know that's not what I preach, but that is what I'm closing with. Okay? There's a lot of Christians, uh, many who should be an encourager instead of a judge. You know? And if you ain't never been there, don't be talking about somebody else's stuff. <laughs> 